Thanks, everybody, for coming out to another Live at the Grafton. This is a podcast. You'll be able to check us out at liveatthegrafton.com. And we have a very special guest here today, the Lucky Ducks, featuring Zoe Savage and Mike Jones, who are going to play a couple songs for us, and then I'm going to come up and we're going to talk a little bit about their own progression within music and their the music they play and whatever else comes to our mind. So thanks thanks a lot for being here, guys. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having us. Give them a beat. All right. Zoe Savage on the harmonica. <laughs> um, it was a little Walter, little Walter piece there. Can't uh, can't get much more Chicago than little Walter and Evans Shuffle. Here's a Jimmy Reed song. Me and Mike are particularly fond of. I do I never play 
Good guys. Um, since there's two of you, I think I'll, I'll start by talking to you maybe one at a time, and then we'll talk a little bit about how you guys played together and so on. But feel free to chime in. Um, so Zoe, how, when did you start playing harmonica? Um, I got my first harmonica when I was about eight. I asked my mom for one, and she got me one. And then I started getting lessons at about ten. So. What were you doing during those lazy two years? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, I clearly remember getting my very, very first Honer Marine Band harmonica, taking it out of the box, and my mom read me, you know how it comes with that little free, you know, description of like how you play, I don't know, when the Saints go marching in or something like that. And my mom very carefully reading the instructions to me and me sitting there with the harmonica and being like, this is really complicated. <laughs> so I think the two years was actually spent me convincing mom that I really should get lessons. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was what I was up to. How, how, why, why the harmonica? What was it that made an eight-year-old want a harmonica? I have no idea. <laughs> At this point, I have no idea what on earth possessed me at eight to really want a harmonica. Did, did your parents play music or anything like that? Yes, well, there's always lots and lots and lots of music around the house. My mom sings. My mom, Jean, is here. <laughs> she sings. There's always lots of music around the house, but not a lot of blues, which is weird because that's, that's what I do. That's, exactly <laughs> that's what I play. And where did you start taking lessons when you were 10? Right here at the Old Town School of Folk Music. I've had the same lesson slot with Joe Felisco, 2 p.m. on Mondays for coming on 18 years now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and so, does he ever say, come on, you got it already. What, what are you doing here? <laughs> well, we hang out a lot. We chat. <laughs> Eat cookies. <laughs> Play know. harmonica sometimes. Play harmonica. You know, how's the cat? <laughs> and and so you started playing. Were you his youngest student? I'm not 100 percent sure. I think right. so. Right. Probably. 
And, and at what point did it become kind of something ser- I don't, more serious for you that you really wanted to pursue? Or did you want to right away kind of think, like, did you want to be, per- be a performer or did you want to just play harmonica? I wanted to be a pastry chef. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a terrible idea. No. He actually suggested when I was like 17, 18 that I try teaching. And I thought that was a terrible idea. He's <laughs> like, teach already. Get out of this class. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. So actually uh, uh-huh. around then I started, I started, I took his advice and uh-huh. I started trying teaching and found that it was actually really fascinating. So now I teach at the same school where I was been a, been where I have been a student. For so you started classes. teaching at at 18 at the Old Town School? I think 19, strictly right, speaking. Yeah. And, and so who, were, who was in your class? Was it people younger than you, older than you? Well, yeah. <laughs> the harmonica tends to, I don't know, get an older crowd. It's cool. That's mm-hmm. cool. That's nice. <laughs> so what That's was nice. that like being, you know, a 19-year-old teaching people? Did it matter at all? Did you think, did it feel awkward or? Not at all. Okay. No. The beautiful thing about teaching adults, what I always love, my favorite, one of my favorite things about teaching adults is they actually want to be in your classroom. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> it's like, unfortunately, a lot of times when you teach kids, it's someone else's great idea that they're there, not actually their idea that they're in your classroom. But with adults, not only do they want to be there, they're paying really good money to be there too. So it's like a totally different experience that way. So... <laughs> and so which uh, do you teach? Is it just general harmonica or do you teach a certain type of harmonica? I teach blues harmonica and then strangely enough I do actually have a large background in Cajun harmonica which Mike also plays, plays both with me. Diggy diggy lion, diggy diggy low, fell in love at Fado Do. The pot was cold and the coffee showed. But diggy diggy lion, diggy diggy low, diggy diggy la love, diggy diggy low. Everyone knew he was her foe. No one else could ever show so much love for diggy diggy low. How about you? Did you start playing when you were eight years old? <laughs> Not quite that young, but uh, I grew up, you know, it was a teenager in the uh, 60s, so that was when the uh, cool thing to do was be in a band. All the Beatles and the English bands were coming over, and uh, so got together with the neighborhood kids and picked an instrument. Mine was actually bass, but eventually I switched to guitar and I've been playing ever since, off and on, different kinds of music. What are what are some of the types of music you played, or did you did you change the types of music you played through your life? Or was well, it I, yeah, the same uh, moved around uh, 
mainly because of work and uh, when I lived in Texas I, I played for several years in a bluegrass band and then I've played in blues bands electric blues bands and then I guess about 10 years ago I got very interested in finger style blues guitar and I studied that and then when we my wife and I moved to Chicago eight years ago I discovered the old town school of folk music and started taking guitar classes here and learned some more from some of the great teachers who were some of the teachers you had well uh, Chris Walls uh, took several classes from him also uh, Dave Spector uh, was one of uh, the teachers that I took some electric blues guitar, Chicago blues. So, I mean, we got some great, great people up here, great teachers. And uh, how did the two of you guys meet up? Well, um, my wife and I, we were taking some uh, blues harmonica classes. Uh, Zoe was not our teacher. We had a different teacher. And then we uh, got up to... Uh, level three and I met uh, another harmonica player and singer and a songwriter uh, who I started playing with and then he was in Zoe's Cajun class and he asked me if I would come once and uh, play guitar to accompany the class and I've been playing with it ever since <laughs> just great group of people and fun music and what, what is it uh, you, uh, that's kind of unique about, I imagine every, every group you play in is a little different. What, what is it about kind of the interaction between the two of you guys when you play? Is, how, how did you decide to keep playing together rather than just say, oh, that was a fun jam? <laughs> <laughs> well, we like each other, so <laughs> it makes a big difference. It makes a and uh, we always seem to have a lot of fun, mm -hmm. and that's the goal. And if, if it's not fun, you know, we wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, Zoe, I know before you once mentioned to me you played, uh, you got lessons from a Cajun harmonica player. Yeah. Tell us a little about, bit about him and who, who he is and how you did those lessons. So through my, through my blues harmonica teacher, I met a Cajun harp player named Jerry DeVilliers. Um, who actually very sweetly mentored me by phone <laughs> from Louisiana to Chicago, sending me CDs of both himself playing harmonica and accordion players and fiddle players, twin fiddle style players. It's like all the cool stuff. And then um, we went down and visited him. I got to take my class, my Cajun class down to, uh, uh, to Louisiana once to visit and just really by phone coaching me and with pronunciation, like a big thing that, uh, like I really like to, to try to actually do my best to sing in the actual Cajun French and mm -hmm. try to preserve the language. Just, you know, just to make a little more of an effort to keep that language going and all of that. So. Are, you, are you able to, do you, can you speak or understand it to some extent or is Lord it within no. the songs? <laughs> Lord, no, I phonetically memorize uh. everything, which is so... But yeah. I do have I do have coaching on all the pronunciation and finding the translations and or having it explained all the different meanings. My teacher, my my Cajun harp teacher, has been so nice about all all of that and mm -hmm. introducing me to singers down south and uh, accordion players and people who you know really you know trying to preserve the culture and the language and the music. There. Had had he done uh, telephone lessons before, or was that something you guys? pioneered together <laughs> I don't think so and I think that was um, before Skype and things were widely uh, widely available he just sent me a giant stack of CDs and that was my homework for six months you know it's like learn this <laughs> learn this stack of CDs so, so and um, and Mike how did how does uh, Cajun music compare to other things that you've played before does it take a different mindset to play it well um Cajun music, in a way, or it uh, is similar to bluegrass music uh, from a guitar standpoint, but it's it's really dance music. Uh, a lot of waltzes and a lot of two steps, and uh, very melodic with the uh, harmonica. Uh huh. And 
It's just great music, and you know, all the songs don't sound the same, but it's definitely it's a, a genre of its own. Maybe, maybe we could do one more, and yeah. maybe just tell us a little bit about the song, or you know, what you happen to know about yeah. about it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, so this is one of my favorite favorite Cajun waltzes. So it just so happens that the kind of the type of accordion that they use down in Louisiana for Cajun music is the diatonic accordion. So that's not the big accordion that we're used to with all the keys up and down the side. That's a tiny little petite accordion with buttons on it. So it just so happens that a diatonic accordion and a diatonic harmonica, that's what I play, are basically tuned the exact same way. So if you can do things on one, you can probably do things on the other. So we do our best to approximate uh, approximate the accordion with this. So this song, Tijanoir, this is just a really beautiful, beautiful Cajun song. Tragic lyrics, very, <laughs> very sad, but with this just sweet little melody that just charms you. All right, key of A, key of A. Yeah. not only a beautiful song but we had beautiful dancers as well so let's just give them a hand also so Cajun music's all about yeah and seeing the dancing just now made me think um, what are some of the when you go down south to Louisiana and stuff um, 
just talk a little bit about what that's like, you know, to, <laughs> I imagine there's probably a, a, a lot more dancing. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I'm always getting in trouble with with my teacher is the speed. Because we lose perspective when you're in a classroom or you're in an isolated setting. You lose perspective that it's all dance music. It's all waltzes mm-hmm. and it's all two steps. And those are very specific tempos. Too fast and your waltzers are going to trip over each other and too slow and your two steps are really pathetic. <laughs> so you have to be very... It's there's very tight windows of, or of tempos that you have to conform to. So like having dancers, really, it's the instant feedback of, oh, okay, that was a really bad idea, you know? <laughs> so, is, it, is it possible to change tempo when you see your offer? If you're off, you just gotta, <laughs> you just gotta go with it and that's it until the song's over. Well, I think in the blues world, it's socially acceptable to speed up marginally. Mm-hmm. It's never socially acceptable to slow down. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what are kind of some of the, are, do you get blues dancers as well? Or is it more of the Cajun dancers, stuff? That's a, little, that's a whole different thing. It is a whole that's different thing. That's a whole thing, different right. thing right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but how does, you know, when you see the dancers, so you're thinking, it kind of reminds you to think about the rhythm and stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Does it also, I mean, are you watching them while you, you know, play? or I, Just as musicians, both of you, like, where are you while you're playing a, a song? Are you kind of in your own head or are you watching... The dancers, how does that work? And I think it's probably different for different people, so I'm just curious. Well, Mike? Well, I always enjoy watching watching the crowd when I can, and uh, as long as I'm playing a a song I know pretty well, that's that's not a problem. That's That's what makes my mind up. So I always like to, so, so many, so my brain is split so many ways when I'm playing because you've got to think about what you're playing, what you're going to play. You have to gauge the audience, how things are being received. So a lot of times I'm editing my set list in my head as I go along because I'm like, well, that song was a total flop, so we have to get rid of, you know, <laughs> these other songs. Or they really responded so well to this, so let's, you know, let's put in a few more of these. So gauging the audience how they're responding and how much fun I'm having playing certain things. So there's so many contributing factors to it. How, how much do you change around based on an audience? Well, Mike is very nice and accommodating. <laughs> <laughs> We're flexible. We're flexible. It's like, yeah. So, I mean, what are, what are the factors you're looking for when you watch the audience and you think, okay... Better do this instead. What kind of? (laughs) Well, a tempo, because like I mean, sometimes people, you know, sometimes people want to be soothed, and some people, you know, sometimes you want to have a party. Come on, Mm -hmm. it's a party. Yeah. Play me more party music. Get rid of all those slow waltzes. What? (laughs) So things like that, things like tempo, and you know, following. um, You don't want to play if it's you're playing a gig and it's like a you know, a coffee shop or a bar and people are talking and enjoying each other's company, you're not going to play a lot of really loud things that crash over and drown out their lovely evening. <laughs> That's not why they're there. <laughs> it, it sounds like uh, Zoe's more of the, the crowd control, the crowd watch than Mike is. Or <laughs> no, Mike <laughs> no, is Does great. Mike do no, this Mike too? Well, who calls it out? I'm just asking when you guys are playing, you know. If you decide, hey, let's do this song now, I mean, do you have a, is there any hierarchy or just kind of who says it first or what? How's it go? I think we're pretty democratic, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. <laughs> Very democratic. No, no fights on the stage yet? No. Nope. No. Nope. The night is young. <laughs> so, um, no. well, let's do one more. How's it sound? Great. Okay. Do you want? Do you want Cajun? Do you want blues? Do you Let's. Want... Uh, well, we had some Cajun. Let's do some blues. I okay. Now they're old, old, yeah, old blues. Yeah, this tune is a very old tune, written by one of the fathers of the blues, blues guitar, Robert Johnson, and uh, this is our version. It's called the Crossroads Blues. Thank you. 
Somebody said you could only play one kind of music, Cajun or blues. What would you do? Which one? Oh, don't do that to us. Man. <laughs> so you're here with the tough questions. That would give me the blues right there. So that answers it. <laughs> I think that settles that. It's a clever answer for that. <laughs> um, well, what's your what's your repertoire of songs? I mean, how do you how do you decide when you want to bring in a new song into your duo? How does that work? Yeah, I think we both, you know, have both brought in several songs, um, and it uh, seems like most of the songs that I find are Chicago blues songs with harmonica, and, and Zoe has played them at one time or another, <laughs> which makes it easy to add new songs, but uh, and then sometimes we just pick a song and uh, kind of work on it for a while and get our own version going, mm-hmm. kind of like that last song. It's a little little bit of uh, newer style music, right. plus yeah. the old blues. Yeah, I, I really, I'm addicted to learning harmonica 
instrumentals and vocal pieces all alike. So I'm always learning. I'm always working on a couple new projects of learning things, and but but I'll hear something and I'll be like, ah, oh, I gotta show this to Mike, or this will be so this will work in perfectly, you know, right here. So I always keep an eye open for what I think would work best in the duo setting. Uh huh. And I, and I see you've got quite a few harmonicas there. <laughs> and what you do, something I don't always see, is you play multiple harmonicas at once. Yeah. Maybe tell us a little bit about yeah. how that works for you. So, because we're a duo, because we're in that stripped-down setting, we, uh, Mike and I have to support each other more musically. We don't have a bass. We don't have a drum. We don't have a keyboard. That, those would all be lovely things to have, but we don't have them, so I, I try to support Mike's, like, when he's soloing, mm-hmm. throw in more chords and make sure he actually has more to work off of. If you feel more secure uh, that you're being accompanied properly, you can, you know, relax more and do what you need to do. So, actually, a, a not well-known fact about the harmonica is that every harmonica has two chords on it. <laughs> that's why I'll get a stack of like three of them. So that's, that's a lot of chords right there. <laughs> so you could go beyond the two chords and oh, yeah. do more Just things. Just keep piling right? them up. <laughs> and no, I don't know how many harmonicas I own. <laughs> that question always comes up at some point or another and I lost count a really long time ago. It always seems to be like five less than what you need though. Uh-huh. Whatever, whatever the number is, it's just not quite. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just not quite enough. And um, so who are some of the harmonica players? Uh, we talked about the, the Cajun guy, and you mentioned some blues names, but maybe get, just getting back to that, you know, who are some of the blues harmonica players that influence you? So, well, I personally have studied, studied a lot of guys from the 50s, so, like, I done a lot of work studying little Walter Mm -hmm. is a fair amount of time on big Walter a lot of like if you think of blues harmonica in the 1950s all the people that were there James Cotton Junior Wells you know a lot of the classic 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 recordings Mm -hmm. you just you you gotta know these things you just you can't resist so they were often playing with like uh, an amplifier and stuff. Do you also play with an amplifier too, or is this? You, Heck yeah. You can, okay. I just didn't want to scare you all well, here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is the the stripped down setting here, right? Yeah. 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 Um, Next yeah. time I'll bring it. I would be right. delighted to bring it. <laughs> and Mike, how about some of the people that influence you in your guitar playing? Well, it's, I'd say probably definitely. Uh, Eric Clapton coming along at that time when I was learning the guitar and they were releasing the records of the uh, Yardbirds and uh, you had uh, Eric Clapton and uh, Jimmy Page, uh, that group of guitar players and then uh, through them, you know, learned where that came from, which a lot of that was from Chicago. as a matter of fact, when the Rolling Stones, as you know, when they came over here, their first tour, they couldn't wait to get to Chicago and meet uh, Muddy Waters. So, yeah, so that's where I got started. And, you know, since then, I've just really, and especially getting into the fingerstyle guitar, get into the Blind Boy Fuller and, uh, and uh, more of that style, Jimmy Reed and... Uh, I just love it all. Yeah. Were you were you conscious of like when you came to Chicago? Were you thinking, all right, I'm I'm in the blues city now? <laughs> yeah, I was pretty excited, uh, uh, and uh, when I found out we were going to be moving here uh, because of my wife uh, was getting transferred with her job, and I was retired, I said, how soon can we leave? <laughs> we were living in Texas at the time, which is a great place, but. Uh, Chicago, who, where I had visited many times, just uh, we love it up here. We moved up here eight years ago. Okay, I see what's, is there a difference between crowds of music listeners in, say, Texas versus Chicago? Well, uh, Dallas and that area where I lived, you know, had a couple of uh, blues clubs uh, where you could hear good people, but this wasn't Chicago <laughs> by any means. So, uh, 
And then some of my friends that lived in Chicago, uh, lived in Dallas, uh, some of them have moved to Milwaukee and, you know, Milwaukee has a vibrant music scene. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just great. Yeah. Um, let's do another song. Yeah. You're, you're choosing. One, two, three. How many how many shows you guys typically do in I don't know I, I, a year or a month or something like that? How often are you guys play, out playing? 
Well, we're pretty good until October. <laughs> and then Mike is abandoning me for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Mike is the... <laughs> He's having a little work done on my shoulder, so oh. guitar playing is going to be difficult for a few weeks there. But uh, <laughs> but I would say, yes. Normally, we probably play about three to four gigs in a month average. Uh-huh. What are what are some of the places you really enjoy playing? Well, we have coming up not this week, next week, the week after, we've got um we're playing at University Club. There's a town on like State and Madison or something like that. Yeah, there's a that's like a, a fancy that's, club, right? Is that yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's a lot of fun. It's cuz it's really laid back. It's like uh, 3 hours, me and Mike. It's a you know, we get to do what we do. <laughs> I get to dress up. <laughs> right. That's a that's a fun gig. We just played a wedding gig the other day. That was that was really cute. We drove like two hours one way to play for an hour. <laughs> yeah. so that's like oh, that's a little weird when that happens. But how far out will you guys? Well, you also you play in the south sometimes. You said or in. Louisiana or something or no? I've just been a couple times to visit there. We did play. We did play there. There's this awesome place called the Liberty Theater down in. So the town where all my friends are all, uh, where they all live is called Eunice, Louisiana, Uh and it's strangely this like hub of Cajun music and culture. It's this little little town. It's like I don't know six hours west of of uh, New Orleans, Uh but it's like this hotbed of Cajun music and culture, and there's this little place called the Liberty Theater there, and the who's who of Cajun music, you know, gets up in place there. It's a, it's a very cool, very cool little venue. Do you, do you I mean, are people, do they, are people speaking Cajun, or how, Cajun what's French. the culture? Li- yes, yeah, Cajun yeah. French. I mean, my teacher, you know, he gets upset. <laughs> no, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, I've got, I've got, I think I own the, there's one dictionary of Cajun French, uh-huh. of the Cajun French language, which I have. <laughs> I'm not, not that I'm proficient with anything, but it's, it's, it's a, it tends to be a spoken language uh-huh. as opposed to written. Right. It's because there's such a fraught history with the, mm. the language in that part of, that part of our country. It's really, I mean, the, the history there is so incredibly broad and deep and it's a very it's a very fascinating and very moving part of the culture what what makes you you know you mentioned kind of that you want to try to get all the words right and pronounce them right like <laughs> what what inspires you to do that when you probably have a crowd that wouldn't know whether you know you do or not no i mean that seriously because there, there's something you know important to you about it so what what is it that makes you kind of connected to doing that that's a very good question well um it is i mean it's part of it is like doing your parts and trying to preserve something that's not it's not a it's not spoken very much it's Mm -hmm. like the older generation speaks it so it's doing your part is trying to preserve it and i mean I get, weirdly, I get immense satisfaction of sitting down with a recording for three hours and carefully, painstakingly working out syllable by syllable what's being said and doing my best to mimic it as closely as I can. I don't know. That just really, that's how I like to spend my Saturday afternoon. I don't know about you. So how how short are you doing like, let's do this line just right then let's do the next line like how do you is that how you approach it kind of line by line by line oftentimes um so (laughs) perfect i have another musician back there so um uh right now is actually this is the best time to be a music student like ever like when i first started studying cajun music i was sitting there with a cd player literally like holding the button down and praying when I let my finger up, it was be in the right place. You know, back up four seconds, back up four seconds. Now it's so easy. There's all these programs. You run things in and it slows it down for you. Uh Oh my God. I wish I'd had that when I was 16. (laughs) That would have saved me probably years of, of work there. 
So no. you'll do that with like a harmonica solo or something? Yeah. You listen to it slow down? Slow, slow down, slow down, regular speed, every, everything you can think of. And then when you listen to, like, so changing from Cajun music to blues music mm-hmm. now, when you listen to a blues recording, you, you have to listen at it. You have to listen to it from so many different angles. Like there's the technical, there's the techniques that are being used. There's the rhythm, there's the melody, there's the tone. How is the tone varying across it? The dynamics, ah, you have to listen to the recording and just study the dynamics of the piece. Just study the way the tone varies across the piece. It's like, I don't know, that makes me excited. I may be strange, but (laughs) I really like to work on it like that. And, and you do it, you break it down piece by piece. This is, now I'm going to do the tone, or now I'm going to, what do you start with? What's the first thing you... Rhythm, 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 rhythm. And then some more rhythm, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then the notes themselves. And then the, and then the melody uh-huh. after that. And then everything else is just secondary to rhythm, rhythm, rhythm. It's blues. I mean, it's all about right. the rhythm. And is there a certain... How how like um, how much fidelity do you look for in that? Are there moments where you say, you know what, I want to try to do it this way instead, or, or you try to stay pretty authentic to the original? How does that work for you? Well, my rule of thumb is I always do my absolute best to learn a piece as verbatim as I am physically capable of doing. Now with the harmonica, like the bones of my face are structured different than the harmonica player I'm trying to mimic. My chest is a different size. I will never, ever, ever be able to completely mimic a recording just because my body is different. It's kind of like being a vocalist. Right. You'll never be able to 100% mimic something. But my, I'm always trying to go for, I try to get it as verbatim as I physically possibly can, give it my all, get it as close as I can to that original recording, and then I don't care. <laughs> then I can do whatever I want with that recording. But you need to know you did all you could to get to that Yeah, point. as to give it my absolute all, try to get it as close as I physically can. Do you know ahead of time, like, like if you listen to something, you, you go, oh... I don't have the right, you know, body type or, you know, mouth structure to do that. Or do you always try? Like, is there, do you, can you tell now, like, when you hear something? When like, I hear what something? You're, whether it's like, oh, well, I don't know if I could get that. Or do you always kind of find a way to get close? How did, Usually, how at this point, that's with techniques now. Because I'll hear something and I'll be like, that's going to be six months of so my life right there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like one of my one of my all-time favorite blues songs, I from way early on in my career, I always wanted to be able to play the solo from Little Walter's My Babe. Right. And like I wanted to play it so bad, so bad, so bad, but I had to wait about five years till I'd grown up enough musically mm. before I could tackle it. It took me about nine months then <laughs> to be able to play it verbatim the way I wanted to there, but it was always like, oh, someday take out the transcription pet it and put it back and wait another year (laughs) (laughs) you do it like you and when is it could you play along with the record and be like okay i'm doing it it sounds the same like how do you or do you have you interiorized it already and you could tell when you've hit that point (laughs) so that i record myself then i'll record myself and compare listen to the recording of myself listen to the recording of the original back Mm. and forth and back and forth and now is that was that something you kind of came to on your own or is that how was that your instruction was also that was my teacher that was that's my teacher there oh that's uh joe flisco yeah yeah yeah. Uh it's like record yourself and i'm like okay yes how how about you mike when you're working out a guitar part do you have a, a similar approach to it yeah i guess it would uh yeah be similar uh i do not read music so it's uh all by ear or I'm a pretty visual person too uh, in addition to playing guitar I'm a visual artist so I always uh, see what I'm playing to a certain degree what is, what does that mean I'm not I'm not very visual so what, what do you mean you see <laughs> well you mean you see where your hands are and stuff or yeah or you're, not, you're not talking about seeing colors and no, notes or anything no okay. nothing psychedelic right. or any, anything <laughs> cool like that uh-huh. but but and, and then, uh, well, the great thing about the guitar is just there's always new things to learn, you know, and uh, new techniques, and uh, and you just never stop learning on on this like other instruments. 
music is is uh, just adds so much to your life. Do you also have that approach of trying to to get it the same as the recording and then doing it differently or? Yeah, initially I'll try to definitely get it uh, as close to the recording as I can. Eventually I like to try to improvise, mm-hmm. but uh, when I'm learning a song, I, I'll, uh, I'll try to get it as close to the recording as I can. And I will play along with the recording frequently. Well, let's, let's do another song. Maybe something that you really worked hard to get the, <laughs> the right sound from, I guess, would be a, a good segue. Or, or you're welcome to ignore that. Too. No, 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 that's sure. good. That's a good point. So this one fits perfectly into the category because uh, this is one of my teacher's study songs. So he makes, he, um, he creates songs that are just for, um, just for learning one aspect or another of the harmonica. And this one just so happens to be a really good song, too. <laughs> so we actually we added it into our set list. So here we go. D minor? Yep. From the top. Two. One, two, three.
how long did that one take? Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so that was an exercise. Then maybe it, it didn't have guitar with it to start with, or no? That's um, it's uh, it's a study of the blues scale. So every note used within it is can is all fall directly within the blues blues scale. No accidentals whatsoever, which uh-huh. is actually really unusual for a blues player to stay solely within the blues scale. That's a little odd. So, good, so it's uh, a good explain that a little bit, like if you could. What like what they'll usually, I guess, step outside of the scale at certain moments or something. Or yeah, like? it's it's pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Even though it is the blues scale, blues players won't limit themselves to exactly the notes from the blues scale. There's uh-huh. a lot of we'll call them accidentals that will get used kind of in passing or stuff like that, other mm-hmm. things. So that, that, that's a good song, though. That's a good uh, example of just going up the scale and down the scale and up the scale and down the scale, but kind of way cooler. Uh-huh. <laughs> nice. What are the next uh, challenges that you guys are setting for yourselves as musicians? Or at least it sounds like Zoe sets challenges. I don't know. I don't know. Mike seems like the laid back one here. That's my impression. Well, we're working on a web page. That's, that is a challenge. <laughs> that's, a, that's a little too daunting of a challenge for my, my experience. Yeah, that's intense. That's very uh-huh. intense. Yeah. And then, yeah, we're, you know, there's a lot of places in town that we have not played yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, a web page would help. And also, uh, we've got some good videos that we've taken recently the, and uh, music so I feel like uh, hopefully you'll be seeing us around town I hope so I'm more. sure we will well let's um, uh, let's let's go out with something something fun alright you guys it's been really fun having you guys and talking with you and thanks a lot let's give them a big hand thank you thank you Dan <laughs> One, two, three. You know I love you. You know it's true. I give you all my loving. What more can I do? I'm a walking by myself. I hope you understand. I just want to be a loving man. Yes, I love you with all my heart and soul When I mistreat you for my waiting gold You know I love you You know it's true I give you all my loving What more can I do? I'm walking by myself, I hope you understand. I just want to be a loving man. Come on, Zoe.
You know I love you You know it's true I give you all my loving What more can I do? I'm walking by myself I hope you understand I just don't want to be your loving man Thanks very much to the Lucky Ducks again. And thank you to our sound engineer, Gunnar Jebsen over here, Yay, the one and only. Yeah, yeah, yeah.